leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Good morning. I'm Steve Allen. Coming up here on LBC, you can hear some of my best bits of my early breakfast show this week. I'm here every weekday from 4 till 6.30 and on Sunday from 5 till 7. And here's some of what caught my attention this week. It was so hot yesterday, I got so depressed with the heat, because it really was, it was, and people are going, oh, isn't it fantastic, producer this morning, oh, isn't it great to have heat? No, it's not, it really is, it's very, very uncomfortable. I spent most of yesterday afternoon sitting in the hospital waiting for my eye test, and then the bus, I swear to God they had the heating on, the sweat was pouring off me, and you know when everybody's sitting in the seats, and they're obviously sitting in a draught, and I'm not, and I'm thinking, they're all looking at me. It's terrible because it was just so, so hot and so unbearable. I think we've got another day of it and then I think things get a bit better, which is quite... What are you doing? It's not squirty cream, is it? Has he got squirty cream? Oh, I love squirty cream. I tell you, the fun we've had with squirty cream. I tell you, what? I made a trifle once with squirty cream. I didn't realise it's all air and it all evaporates. And I had a bit of a disaster the other day. Because I, I burn candles at home. It's a spiritual thing and I like to be in touch with my spiritual side. And... Um, and I bought this air in Costco. You get three cans of air, and it's for cleaning uh, computers and for keyboards. You just go like that, and it squirts all the all the dust away. Well, I, being not particularly intelligent in the bright department or bright in the intelligent department, I thought, oh, that's great. It's air. I'll blow the candle out with it. So I had the candle there, and I went like that. Next thing, I'm holding a flamethrower. I've seriously got a flamethrower going on, frying the life out of me. Frying the li- I thought, we shan't be doing that ever again. So I've, I bought a thing for putting candles... Uh, is that Evian water? Is that... Oh, right, because you know you can buy a little bottle of Evian water, which is a spray, and you spray it over... I can't... Magical what? It's magical? Oh, what is it? Oh, right, it cools you down. Because they do do... You can buy a little bottle of Evian. Is this what it is? Yes. And it's called... Magical. Magical. And you just sort of... It's, is it water? It's No, it's it's it's, uh, it's like refrigerant of some kind. Try oh, right. it. Try it. All right, okay. Just have a little squirt. Oh, so that's quite nice. <laughs> the trouble is they think you were mad <laughs> if you're sitting on the bus and you start spraying. So it's quite nice, actually. I've never heard of it before. He's scared of it. He won't use it. Oh, he's scared of it. I show, Oh, hilarious. I said, would you like a wafer? Yes. This morning to him. So he said... Uh, Pink Australia, he said... Um, a wafer? I said, yes, a wafer. He went... Uh, and he looked at it. He'd never he'd seen them, but he didn't know what they were called. Never seen wafers. Never. Well, he he's seen them, but he's never he's never used the word wafer. Oh. And I thought to myself, where in Australian God's name has he come from? Are you from Alice Springs or something? <laughs> I mean, how dumb do you have to be to not know what a wafer is? I'll take one back through to him. And yes, okay. yes. Yeah, yeah. You can. Thanks, man. And, yeah, and, oh, he's, he's, he's producing now. He said, only one presenter in the studio at a time. <laughs> Look at that, I'll say. Coming from the land where there is no personality radio. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the world of personality radio. Oh, I must tell you, uh, before I go any further, that I got um, an email the other day. You remember years ago we did this voice uh, of the country, radio voice, with Radio Times. And I don't think I'm breaking any confidence, but I, I'm out of 40... Radio voices in the country. How I got myself on this list is, uh, is serious. I've got no idea. Well, I know who voted for me, and it was very sweet. But I, I sort of, I'm, I'm kind of on a list of people who are all famous. Everybody is famous on this list, except me. 
which I don't mind. I don't have a problem with that at all, because so many of them work for the uh, for the BBC, which is funded by you anyway. I'm the only one who's not funded by anybody apart from uh, myself and Global. So I got myself onto this list. There's 40 people. There's 20 men, 20 women. Then a few weeks back, it must have been two weeks ago, they said, you're down to the last 10. So we went off for a photo shoot um, where, you know, we were in, um, I forget where we were in London, actually, Kilburn sort of way, the studio. And we had all these pictures taken and, and they said, and we'll, we'll let you know shortly uh, what's going to be happening with it. Well, anyway, I got an email yesterday uh, saying that the addition with our pictures in and presumably announcing who's actually won this, is coming out on Tuesday of next week. So Monday, they've ordered in some copies of Radio Times so that I'll have it for Tuesday morning. But I've got no indication of how well we've done. I've got no indication of whether... I mean, if I get in the top five, I'll seriously be quite thrilled about that. We've whittled it down from, say, 40 to, you know, if Steve Allen can get in the top five, that would be, that would be really an, quite some achievement. Um, so I'm not holding my breath in any way, shape or form, but people keep saying, oh, you'll be doing all right. But I said, yes, but I don't want to get my hopes up. Imagine if you get your hopes up and you start, you know, booking the Hilton for a party and all the rest of it. And then, you, then your hopes are dashed at the last minute. So I thought, no, no, I'll just I'll just sit back, be grateful for what I've got. The fact I was nominated. So we've had these pictures taken. I've had to do a little uh, thing about what I listen to on the radio, uh, which is going in. I think that goes in for yeah, that goes in for next week. The deadline is this morning, so I've written that. It's only 50, 50 words, so it's only a little thing before I listen to. But of course, I'm lucky because it's not as if I don't work in a building where there are loads of radio stations. We own loads of radio stations, so consequently, whichever floor I wander onto or into the lift or into the loo, everything else, I'm hearing lots of different radio stations. So I've got LBC here. I've got uh, our friends at uh, Radio X. I've got Capital Extra. I've got Smooth. I've got uh, Gold, I've got Classic, I've got Heart, I've got Capital, I've got, I've got so many radio stations. And so it's, it's a bit difficult to choose what I would hear, but I just hear the ones on this floor, so I hear lots of, lots of different people. And there's loads of famous voices, loads of famous voices. But, uh, but to be nominated, I thought, was the biggest thrill ever. I've never been, never been nominated for anything in my life, actually, probably justifiably so. I did get a gold Arkiva, but that's another story. Well, that was, yeah, I, don't, I never make mention of it. In fact, I've not even put it on my Twitter page. I was thinking perhaps I should put it on my Twitter page because some people do if they get an award. But I, I kind of play down awards because I've always said to people, I'm not in the business of, of getting an award. I'm not in the business of, of trying to do it so I can get an award or win, win public votes or that, that kind of thing. It doesn't work like that for me. I just I tend to come in. I do a radio programme. If people like it, they listen to it. If, if they listen to it, then uh, it pushes the figures up. But I'm, I don't seriously target any programme that I ever do to, to you listening. You know, I know who's listening because I can see and I can see the messages coming in. But I never I never sort of think about it. Think, oh, I must do an award winning programme. As far as I'm concerned, I'm doing a radio programme. I get paid for it. And that's it. People like it. That's the bonus, isn't it? I think Steve Allen on LBC. Here she is. It's uh, evil and vicious, babe, set for celebrity big brother. Uh, The trouble is, she's not a celebrity. She's not evil. And she's not particular. She's just another one of these old tarts that they drag up from somewhere. She's an American reality star called Aubrey O'Day. She was catapulted to fame in the States on making the band and appeared in Celebrity Apprentice four years ago. In other words, she hasn't actually done anything since then. So we managed to pick her up really cheap for this country because she'll be grateful for anything. And she clashed with the other stars. She's dated Sean Diddy Coombs and DJ Cassidy. She's currently seeing Jersey Shore star Paulie D. 
but she's also been linked to women. No! Imagine! When asked about her sexuality, she said, I don't like to label myself. I want to find somebody I'm passionate about and I don't want to limit myself to one segment. Wow. So she's uh, she's signed for Celebrity Big Brother. Together with, we think, David Cassidy, Samantha Fox, uh, Katie Wasel, Anthony Turner's former husband, Grant Bovey. They have to tell you who he is because nobody knows. They have to go, it's Grant Bovey. He'll be about as boring as anything. You won't find anybody duller than him. But now we've got a bisexual girl. Woo, some, some hot action in the uh, in the Big Brother house. No, I shouldn't think so. Be another desperate person who doesn't seem to have done anything for about four years. Bit like Grant Bovey, isn't it, really? Poor old soul, honestly. They've scraped the U-bend for this lot, haven't they? I mean, David Cassidy, what's he doing on there? Samantha Fox, what's she doing on there? What are these... You know what it is now? Years ago, it was it was an interesting programme. Because it was people didn't know about the cameras. Now they're all aware of the cameras. They're aware of what they have to do. The current bunch in Big Brother. I mean, it's just it's a load of old brasses in there, to be honest with you. And that's just the fellas. The women doesn't even bear talking about. The other day they were doing this f off and all this kind of stuff. Which you don't expect to see on the television. But then you look at who they are, and uh, and I shouldn't imagine any of them are actually working. Whatever they actually tell you they're doing is probably in their little mind. It's like whenever you used to see them on The Apprentice. You know, they go yeah because. No, it's not an option. And you think, well, actually, it is in your case. The answer is no, you're not going on this programme. Uh, the sun is out, so it's bums out, apparently. And so they managed to find all the uh, all the old people who want to get their... Ba- it's always the ugly ones, isn't it? Always the ugly ones. It's like people walking down the street with sort of cut-off Levi's and things like that. And little little jeans. You think, Ugh, disgusting, really. And uh, who's this? Oh, coach trip bosses have appeared to sign up a busload of Joey Essex-style dimwits. Wow, that'll be interesting. So Coach Trip starts 25th. Yeah, it's moving to a later time slot, 7.30pm. I'll have to kind of catch it on the rebound then, because I'll be asleep by 7.30, but Brendan's still there. They've had some very funny people in the past, haven't they? I think they've had very funny people in the past. And uh, Brendan's always it, and some of them are just, they're just horrible people. But that, that was the whole idea. They had to find horrible people. Anybody see Preston turning up yet? Maybe we managed to catch Preston on the celebrity dinner dates. Laughingly called because Preston never was, never will be a celebrity. He'll just be an old has-been from a Big Brother house where he sort of shacked up with uh, Chantel. Poor old Chantel, honestly. There's a career that's gone nowhere, is there, really? Mind you, at least she's managed to get herself pregnant a few times. So that's OK, isn't it? We'll be there. And... Uh, she was she was put in as a non-celebrity. She had to pretend to be a celebrity. And then when she comes out, you suddenly realise what the word dim and stupid and dumb means. And she won, I think, didn't she? I can't remember. Anyway, she ended up marrying Preston because he was like going, oh, yeah, she's like a fantasy kind of thing. He was going out with a really intelligent French girl, ditched her for the thickest girl in the world, who's now having Botox and fillers. It's a bit of an embarrassment, really. But, uh, I'm sure she's happy with her dull existence because she doesn't seem to do anything. Seriously, I mean, all you seem to see is a picture of her in a car park. Perhaps she just stands in the car park and then sort of waits for the photographer to turn up. And uh, she got, um, I think when, when she, she was ahead of Michael Barrymore, she got 25 grand. And, uh, and then she went in with Ultimate Big Brother in 2010. Then she reformed the fake band Candy Floss with Victor Abua and Nadia Almada. And then she survived, I think she got third place in that. She was behind Nicky Graham. And Brian Dowling. Oh, he's disappeared completely, hasn't he? Brian Dowling, he's gone. Uh, Houghton's mother stated she was to be represented by Max Clifford. However, 
He replied on television she'd not signed with him, but he did help in an advisory position. I don't like the word position when it comes down to Max Clifford. But uh, she's appeared on the Paul O'Grady show. And she's good friends with former Big Brother contestant Chanel Hayes. And she had her own post-Big Brother show called Chantel Living the Dream. Unfortunately, there was no dream. There was nothing at all. But she's, uh, she's appeared on, you know, quite a, quite a few things. She also appeared on Hotel Babylon as the girlfriend of Chris Moyles, apparently. Heavens above. Scraping the barrel for him a little bit, isn't it? Actually, I think I've got lunch with him next, uh, no, week Friday. I'm pretty certain. Anyway, she did sign uh, a £300,000 deal to publish her autobiography. Released in October called Living the Dream. Sold 50,000 copies. Extracts were read out by Simon Anstel. And then Preston, real name Samuel, who was a guest on the show, walked off. Lovely. And she came second in the Independent Britain's Happiest People list. Well, that's a joke. I've never seen a smile. you ever seen a smile? She always looks like she's got the weight of the world on her shoulders, poor soul. Mind you, if you look like that, I suppose, and you have to go in and have sort of fillers and Botox and all the rest of it, that'd make you pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty sad, isn't she? Uh, but then she went out with Alex Reed, the cage fighter who cross-dresses, and he give her baby, so she got baby, which is lovely. And, uh, and then she did Come Dine With Me, did a workout DVD, launched her own dating website for single parents, and uh, she also got her own range of hair extension. Uh, she's called Chantel, so they're called Chantel's. Nice, isn't it? Then she reinvented herself and has been described as the new Katie Price. I don't think so. I don't think so. I just think she's the old Chantel, and that was pretty boring in the extreme. Steve Allen on LBC. The bungling robbers, here they are. Lee Anslow, Paul Ferguson and Reese Jones, as dim as they come. I mean, these really are thickies. Lee is 28, Paul is 35. Thought he'd know better, but obviously the older, the dimmer they become. And Reese was 21. They, um, they raided an Asda store. Uh, unfortunately, they decided to nick cigarettes. And they put so many packets of cigarettes into the bag, they couldn't lift it. He couldn't lift it. So there were 22,500 cigarettes worth nine grand in this bag. Uh, the CCTV footage shows uh, Anslow, 28, threatening a worker with a wrench before they filled a bag with 1,125 packets at the cigarette kiosk. As they were unable to lift it over the counter, uh, they got caught. They were each jailed for more than four years. And uh, the judge says you were foiled by your own greed. I'd have just pointed and laughed at them. You know, I wonder what sort of thick families they come from. I'm sorry, they couldn't even lift the cigarette. So uh, we've got got a minute. Uh, uh, Can you lift this? Oh, God, it's the police. And so off to prison they go. I mean, the stupidest of them is poor Rhys Jones. I mean, his family must be delighted they've got the thickest one in the country there. Lee Anslow and Paul Ferguson. Well, four years will see you having a few birthdays in there. And I'm I'm sure, Rhys, that uh, once they discover what you look like, they'll be really looking forward to seeing you in prison and celebrating your birthday with the bumps. In the showers. Get my drift. You're going to love it. Going to love it. So anyway, so, uh, so there you go. We always get stupid. So she's for something like that, I think that should have been five years minimum. I think five years. Just to teach them a lesson. I mean, it doesn't make any difference because they won't serve the four years or the three years. They'll probably serve about two, I should imagine, if indeed that. And um, and you sort of think, think to yourself, but now they've got a record. I should imagine they've probably got records anyway, because if you're that stupid to go out robbing a supermarket... I mean, you'd have to be a bit dim, wouldn't you? Places are, you know, they're tooled up with CCTV cameras. You can't move. I told you, even on our property, we've got CCTV cameras which cover the street, they cover the car park, they, be, they cover all the corridors, they cover backstage. They're covering everything. Absolutely everything. And recording. And recording. In colour. 24 hours a day. 
Even pitch of night, pitch black. If all the lights went off, then uh, they still carry on recording. Steve Allen on LBC. Whilst it's hilarious to see the crooks being so stupid, says Ian, and getting caught, surely four years should be exactly that. Getting half of the sentence reduced for good behaviour is a joke. Commit the crime, crime abroad and prison, real punishment. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that one. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the drug mules, I'd have left them rotting in that Peruvian jail. They didn't look too badly uh, off after it, did they? I hope they disappear completely because they were a pair of bores. And, of course, they would have brought misery to the streets of London. And uh, and they uh, they revelled in it. Every single bit of it they revelled in. And that's what I think people should pay. So if you're caught nicking and you're banged to rights and it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's if it says four years, you stay there for four years. It's as simple as that. When you come out, you can't get a job. I don't want people like that getting a job. I don't know what we do with them. How about Australia again? That seemed to be fairly popular some years ago. Perhaps we could send them to Basingstoke. We could start a new creche, couldn't we, in Basingstoke, for particularly stupid people. Remember we had that woman, Anne? I shall never listen to you ever again. How dare you insult Basingstoke? I thought, yeah. Morning, Anne. We know you're listening still, dear. We can tell. I've got a little thing inside your radio. I can tell exactly where you are. I can tell exactly... You're listening in that chair again, aren't you? I know. I know. Don't fool me, dear. Steve Allen on LBC. I was going through Regent's Park on Sunday and a friend of mine said, oh, I think there's a Pokemon about to appear in front of you. Well, I've never seen anything so stupid in my entire life. He gets his phone out and he goes, there it is. There it is. And I go, are you mad or something? They've, they've gone mad for Pokemon, haven't they, at the moment? I don't Everybody's... understand it. Can you I explain don't, it to Seriously, me? I've got no idea. No. Something appears on your telephone and people go, oh, Pokemon's with you or something. It's just, it's just, it's for children. Ask the producer. He's a child. He'll. Oh, tell me about it. Have you seen what he's wearing this morning? Oh, I know. I know. Oh, Lord above. I'm telling HR. I've already taken photographs. Have you really? I'm happy. Well, I've saved them to the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving Pokemon to one side. I don't really know anything about Pokemon at all. I can't even remember what it was. It was, it was something that was popular years ago. Now it's come back again, hasn't it? And so people do it. And you've got to catch them all, apparently, or something. Sad, lonely, depressed people, ladies and gentlemen, with no no life or existence in the universe. So they chase something that's imaginary on their telephones. And uh, Gavin says the Pokemon Go app, the idea is to get people uh, out and about enjoying nature and losing weight at the same time. You have to walk miles in order to get the best Pokemon. I do play it. And yes, I am sad. I know I could tell by your email address. I think you're very sad. Very sad indeed. (laughs) But I like that sort of thing. Listen, I never understand it. You know, I did a thing years ago, Dungeons and Dragons, and I went to do an interview with somebody and they were into Dungeons and Dragons. And I didn't understand that either. I don't don't do this sort of role-playing kind of thing. And Pokemon... I mean, a friend of mine, you know, he's perfectly normal and he's sort of above average age. And he was raving about Pokemon and saying, oh, we've got to chase... There'll be one in Regent's Park. And then he shows me the phone... And there's something superimposed on the phone onto the path. And that's what I think it was. Is that what it is? You say, is, is there a Pokemon in here or something? And, they, and they, then it just appears in the studio. Because apparently they're all over the place. I've never heard of such rubbish in my entire life. People are so dumb, aren't they? You really need to get out and get a life, pal. You know, sitting home playing invisible animals. They're not real. It's not real. Yeah, it's something you enjoy and you'll continue to do it. Well, bully for you, mate. Bully for you. Whoop. And here we go again with another blooming Australian going, oh, Pokemon, mate. This is fantastic, isn't it? We love Pokemon. Well, we like... Well, anyway. Steve Allen on LBC. We have a mutual friend, a lot of us here, um, called Clive, who's going to be a professional poker player. 
Because I'm always fascinated by people who, who play poker professionally. I see them on the television, and I'm always very, very interested in exactly how it... Because a lot of them sit there with sunglasses on. There's no sun inside. And, of course, they're wearing sunglasses so that people cannot read... You're right, because apparently, yeah, you had the, the, little, the little signs. In other words, to be a poker player, you have to be a very good liar. You have to be a very good liar. And so you have to sit there and look sort of blank. So if you're given a card and you're going, you can't do that. You have to sort of sit there and go, and do nothing. Which, of course, is, I mean, I'd be going, look at it. I was showing people the cards, <laughs> getting excited. But, of course, you can't do that if you're a poker player. I never understand. It's just bluff, isn't it, poker? I've, no, I've never played it. So, I mean, you are listening to the uh, to the poorly educated and the and the science of, of poker. So, in other words, you sit there and they give you a hand or whatever it is. You get a straight flush or something. I've heard of that before. Uh, or you get a, a run or any, whatever it is. And the whole idea is that you then bluff people out. OK, I'll... I'll raise you 50 and and another 250. Because if you think you've got a better hand than they have, and that's all it comes down to. It comes until eventually somebody goes, oh, my God, I can't go any further. And that's what Clive's going to do. He's going to be a professional a professional poker player. And he does play, actually. In fact, we were talking about him the other day when we were going back on the Sunday morning because he likes playing at uh, some of the casinos in, in town. Where you see me, I couldn't sit there and play, play, play cards. But if you do it professionally then you're doing that for a living, aren't you? You're actually... And I do know professional gamblers. I know of professional gamblers, because I've seen them being interviewed in the in the papers, where they make a living out of gambling or advising other people on how to gamble. But I'm, I'm not very good at things like that, so I have to kind of leave it to one side. But you're right, Michael. Interesting, isn't it? Because we were all... In fact, somebody mentioned it to me the other day, and uh, and they said, uh, oh, right, it's very interesting. He's actually going off to do this. And I went, right, that's very interesting. And... Um, he also had a lot of strip poker practice. I helped him out on that one. We used to play at Christmas, you know. OK, I'll see your shirt and raise you socks. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> He's listening, driving in at the moment. He'll be going, I think not, Steve. I think not. I don't play poker at I've never played poker. I've never played poker in my life. I've done it on the machines, but I think I'm not playing poker. I think I'm playing pontoon. I think that's what I'm playing. I mean, at poker, I, I, just, I know that there are poker tape. When I went to the casino... Uh, to the Hippodrome, I was watching people playing poker, and I've watched it on the television. <coughs> I must be brutally honest, it's the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. They just sit there, and they appear to live in a twilight world, these people. They d- it's definitely... I don't think you have relationships if you work, you know, being a professional uh, poker player, because I think nobody would put up with it, so you sort of sit there, and you just... And you sort of, and then you, and you get a name for yourself, don't you, on the circuit? And they do invite people around the world. If you're a professional poker player, you get invited by casinos because they like watching people. And I've seen people willing millions of dollars on the television, but they sort of sit there and you look at them, and they're they're very intense. Some of them wearing normal clothes, some of them wearing tents, but they're uh, they they sort of sit there and they look at the cards, but they they've got the cameras under the table. And I don't know if you've ever been to the casinos, but in America they have a little. I don't know what, how to describe it. It's like a little pyramid. on the t- And she can slide the card under the pyramid and she can see what it is before she's at the, the, uh, the dealer, before she sort of does it. So she slides her card under there, sees what it is. But when they're doing it on the television, the camera is under the table so we can see the cards. And I'm none the wiser. Seriously, I'm none the wiser. I sit there looking at it and they go, OK, he's going for a straight. And I think, well, you'll never pull him. You'll never pull him. Seriously, I mean, that's never going to happen, is it? I mean, you might as well just play cards and get on with it. And um, and so they were sort of looking at these things and they go, OK, he's coming up here. He's going to take one more. Co- no, he's thrown his hand in. He's, I'm thinking, who cares? Seriously, I'd rather worry about raising the Titanic than anything else like that. But if somebody can make a living out of it, well, then good for them. And also, and, and then you, you realise... 
yeah, that these bits of plastic go, and there's one for you, and you go, who wants a bit of plastic? How much? 50,000, I'll take that, thank you. Because you're supposed to tip the croupier, but I always work on the assumption, if you just spent your last bit of money, what are you supposed to do? Get a, get a £5 note out of your purse and hand it over, because you're supposed to tip them, I never do. They don't know me, I don't know them, I couldn't really care. Unless I won a load of money, in which case I go, thank you very much indeed, and uh, would you like my autograph and a copy of my book? So you want to be a celebrity, you know, that would be... My poker player nickname, I don't know, actually. I don't think I'd have one. Steve, yes, yeah, Steve the very slow one, I think. I don't know. They all. They, they, I don't really know what, what poker players' names are. Give me an example of what a poker player's name is. Is it sort of the Flash or Snake Eyes or something like that? But you can't see them, can you? Because they're all wearing these sunglasses or they've got visors on or baseball caps. They all look like they're on drugs. Seriously, they all sit there. Mainly because they've been sitting there for days on end. Because I believe poker games can go for ages, depending on how much money's on the table. But uh, I remember years ago, on, on the same sort of subject, we had a guy who worked for LBC as a producer. And he started saving a fund of money. And it was effectively known in the business as, a, as an FU fund. And it was a case of, if ever he got to that stage in his life where he thought, you know, I've had enough. I don't want to work for anybody ever more. I just want to I just want to sit there, grow my own vegetables, live a very simple life. And he got to that stage and he was into his sport and everything else. And he went, you know, I've had enough. I said, have you saved up enough money? He said, I've saved up, he said, a year's money. He said, I've got a year's money to sit down. He said, I don't need to work. There's no mortgage on the on the property. So I'm going to grow vegetables and just have a very, very simple life. The trouble is people see it like that and it, it seems quite utopian, but in fact you've still got your bills to pay. Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. So I went out and I bought one of these magical things that, uh, that Darren had yesterday. Oh, they're great. They're have great. you seen the price of them? Yes, I know. I've been stockpiling. Well, I tell you, I mean, I paid in my chemist the other day £5.75... Yeah. So I go to Amazon, six fifty on Amazon. I can do it for four fifty. You can't. I Where can. from? Uh, well, that would be telling, wouldn't it? Well, that's amazing. Is that including a profit? See me afterwards. Four pound fifty a can. I can't believe it. Honestly, he's now dealing. He's dealing. The last programme's dealing. That's what it is now. But I did go and buy this. And, of course, I went in and I couldn't remember what it was called, this can of stuff. Because, you know, when you're sitting on a train, you're sitting on a bus and uh, there are other sprays available. But uh, look at us, honestly. And they also do a, they do a small version which is for handbag size. So useful, I always think, in this day and age. I, I, I bought the, yeah, the big size. Who buys small? And, um, and so I, I went into the chemist. And I've, I've got a, uh, an independent chemist. They stock everything. I mean, they've got... She- you could spend days going through the shelves of Mr. Shah's uh, chemist. And so I said, have you got this? And I couldn't remember what it was called. Something about cool. He went, oh, magic cool. And th- this was the last can. And I didn't know how much it was. And I think it said £5.75. And I thought, gosh, that seems a lot. But then it stays cold all the time. So even in hot weather, it gives you a bit of a cool. And it's, it's quite nice to, to rehydrate your face again. So I bought it. They do another one, same company, which has got sunblock in it if you get sunburnt. And that's only a fiver on Amazon. But this stuff is like six fifty. So I thought I got quite a bargain. Normally on Amazon, you could probably find it a bit cheaper. And you can get it for four fifty. What are you doing? Making it or something in your little flat? You're sitting there. You're doing like that Peckham water that Del Boy did. He's filling up bottles from the tap. £4.50. That's a bit of a bargain, isn't it? It just goes to show how much profit there must be. If somebody could sell it for four fifty, and then... Is it... Really? Is it... Is it... They were selling it in there, were they? At four fifty? Were they... I know something about boots on the strand, actually. 
I can't tell you on the air, but it's very funny, actually. It was very funny. <laughs> I went in... Th- well, it doesn't matter, anyway. So, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you later. Uh, or at another time. Perhaps another year. Who knows? Steve Allen on LBC. Steve, we need a clothing update of your producer. We don't do clothing updates of producers. I mean, for goodness sake, honestly, what do you think? We're not doing a fashion parade here. Yes, the Austra- well, the, we had the Australian... He's been wearing shorts for two days. First of all, khaki shorts. Now, I don't think he understood. We had a bit of trouble with the Australian producer the other day. Regular listeners will know that, uh, first of all, he thought khaki was an insult. I said, it's a colour. It's a colour. And he went, no, they're beige. I said, they're khaki. He didn't understand what khaki meant. Obviously, in Australia, it means something different. And the other day, he had, um, I said, blue shorts. What did he call them? He, he gave them some. I said, no, they're blue. OK, you know. And then we, we explained to I said, would you like a wafer? Yesterday, because the linker had sent in some wafers. And uh, so I gave him a wafer. He said, what's that? So he looked at it and went, oh, right. I said, it's a, have you seen wafers before? He said, yeah. He just didn't know what they were called. I said, which part of Australia are you actually from? I mean, are you, are you in the backward bit? Are you sitting by Ayers Rock? Just you and an Aborigine going, mmm, mmm, like that. Perhaps he's a caravan in the outback. I've never known anybody who's never seen anything in his life. Pork pies he'd never heard of. And he, he thought they, they were supposed to be hot, which, to be honest with you, you can't disagree with that. But uh, it, was all, it was all a bit embarrassing, really. Every day's a revelation. I like finding biscuits that he's never even seen before in his life. And I said to him, what sort of food are you eating? And he said his mother makes a curry. On the heat, they suffer and they make a curry. And then it turns out his father makes the curry. So that's what I'm dealing with. And we, we could say hello to him. We, we, we could say hello Will he be hearing this in the best of? I mean, because it's... it's. I mean, I don't mind when they send them over to help out on the on the programmes, but it's when they don't know what things are. And he always comes in the morning. He says exactly the same thing every morning. I, I look at him. I've generally got my headphones on because I'm watching Dancing Penguins or something exciting, like David Archuleta singing with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And, uh, and, he, and he looks at me and he goes, What? That's what he said. That's all he said. What? And I go, What? He said, What? And I go, Mike, just chill out. I mean, the other day I had to point out to him that he didn't just have a chip on his shoulder. He had the whole of Harry Ramsden's. But, I mean, it's seriously, every day it's funny. And I sort of look at him and he's, he's, got, he's got funny little legs. Now, I'm not one, as you know, to pick on people for their inability to sort of survive in the modern world. But to be honest with you, oh, and his pickup line, what was his pickup line? It was something to do with koala bears koala education or something you're my koala whatever it was this was the, i said i'm not surprised you're single seriously he abs it was absolutely it was like dealing with a person who was on remedial school and they didn't have any conversation now you know me i'll talk to most people i'm really not that fussy but to be honest, talking to him is like an education like a total education. my friend chris told me i was my friend chris who works for another radio station uh in our building he thought i was he thought i was eccentric you think I'm eccentric? I'm not eccentric. Do you see the video? He said, I think you're eccentric. I said, I don't think I'm eccentric at all. I was not sure whether to be, whether to be hurt by that. Eccentric. Do you think I'm eccentric? I'm not eccentric, am I? Oh, Lord, I'm now worried. Perhaps I... Well, you're thinking about it. Why are you thinking about it? I'm not eccentric. I'm just... 
Well, I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm not eccentric. Eccentric would be, you know, people on the television with sort of, you know, rampant personalities. They'd throw their arms round wildly. I've seen a few people trying to do that or dyeing their hair a different colour to get them noticed. But, of course, that doesn't work anymore now. And, uh, and they would be considered slightly eccentric. I'm not eccentric. I just, you obviously think I am. God in heaven. I'm so, so I'm not surprised this programme's successful. You probably think it's as weird as I do. I don't think I'm eccentric, though. I'll have to ask my, my boss later. I'll, when I see him next week, I'll say, because he's taking me for breakfast. He's taking me. I hate going for breakfast with my boss. He knows I hate it. I just, I know he feels duty-bound to do it, but I just don't like doing it. I don't do the impression of him, no. He never thinks that sounds like him anyway. Or Stephen. <laughs> but anyway, but you know, enough of the Australian, as I say. Let him stew in his own juice, as far as I'm concerned. Steve, listening to your programme uh, today and enjoying every minute of it. Good. That's producer Mike. And, uh, no, I'm joking, actually. I think, I think one mention on the programme is, is, is quite enough, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and he, he's, he's probably already written complaining about it. But the trouble is, he always sits there. It's this, what? He says in the morning, what? And I get, I mean... It's, he's, he has, you know, he collects lanyards. You know, he collects these, uh, which are things that go around your neck with your little pass on, which we which we wear in this building. Some people don't keep it in here. It's a bit like an Oyster card. You keep it in your wallet or something like that. But it opens doors. And if it's in your wallet, you don't carry your wallet. So you can't get through the door. Then you can't get back out again. And it's a nightmare. And um, And he has them hanging on the back of the door in his bedroom. Lanyards hanging on the back. I said, what for? And it's, it's quite clearly done to impress people that he meets and takes back who are lucky enough to see the interior of his bedroom. I can only imagine it must be ghastly. I, I can't imagine him having anything like a duvet, which is particularly attractive. I should imagine it's all horribly creased and probably hasn't seen the inside of a washing machine for about sort of five years. So you kind of prop the duvet up against the wall. <laughs> I love things like that. It's so funny because you always try and visualise, don't you? When, you? when you sort of... Well, I don't. I, mean, I don't do it all the time. But if you work with people, you think, I wonder what your place looks like. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve, uh, the person making that eccentric remark sounds quite like those minority types who simply file straight into the bin. I know, I don't, I don't see myself as being eccentric. I, don't, I, must, I must look up the definition of eccentric now. Uh, so here we go. So eccentric. Uh, symptoms. Unconventional. Uncommon, abnormal, irregular, strange, peculiar, weird, bizarre, off-centre, outlandish, freakish, extraordinary. No, I don't think I'm eccentric at all. I don't fit any of those. I mean, unconventional, uncommon, abnormal, uh, abnormalous, odd, strange. Missed out a few. Uh, Individual free spirit. A person of unconventional and slightly strange views or behaviour. Well, in fact, the whole thing about this programme is that I'm exactly saying what everybody else is thinking. So it's not, uh, that's not eccentric, I don't think. Somebody slightly strange. I don't think so, actually. Or failing that, uh, I could be a disc or a wheel mounted eccentrically on a revolving shaft in order to transform rotation into backward and forward motion. Now, that does, of course, sound a lot like me. That sounds a lot like me. But a person of unconventional and slightly strange views or behaviour is seen as an eccentric. Or you could be a total eccentric, which means, I suppose, that takes it to a new level. But as I don't consider myself... You see, somebody like Magnus Pike, or somebody from years and years ago, wave his arms, that would be eccentric. Or Barbara Woodhouse, who did these sort of... I remember when... Barbara Woodhouse, for those of you who don't know, she was um, she was a slight eccentric. We had, you know, like that nun, Wendy somebody. She was slight. And the, the, the Sistine Trapper, she was there. There's beautiful pictures here. And I thought she was slightly eccentric. I don't think I'm like that at all. But Barbara Woodhouse was the one who, she used to talk to dogs. 
and everything. She was a bit like a, sort of an early dog whisperer. Uh, and then she did it with horses. And she would say, come here, come here, come here. And she would go, sit. And she would move her hand down with this action as the dog cowered underneath her hand. She was, she was, do you remember her on the television? She was, she, if, if you watch her on YouTube, it's actually quite funny. But one of them, she then, she, after she'd sort of exhausted herself with dogs, she did it with horses. And I remember she said, you get a horse here, bring, bring, bring a horse here. She was a bit like that. She used to wear tweed skirts. Fairly, fairly, you, you know, you could pick her out in Chelsea immediately. And, uh, and she, and then she, and I remember the look on the horse's face. She blew up its nose. You do this, you put your, well, the horse went, what the? It's the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Seriously. You had to laugh at it because the horse was so surprised. And, uh, and she became like a horse whisperer. But uh, she's very well known. Very well known. Not with us anymore. She's gone to that great cloud in the sky where all the dogs are going. We're going to get our own back. We're going to get her. And that horse is definitely up there. Steve Allen on LBC. How many police officers? One, two, three, four. Six police officers turn up at Jose Mourinho's house. My God, if only we could all get the same kind of service, boys and girls. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Why does it take six of you? He didn't, um, he didn't, um, you know, nick anything. Um, he just sort of broke in. The maid was doing the ironing. What, he doesn't do his own ironing? God, truth. Anyway, he tried to flee, but a security guard who'd been tracking him blocked his... A security guard as well! Blimey. Anyway, um, apparently he was led away in handcuffs, and, uh, and his name is... Uh, he's an East European, Gabor Roman, of no fixed address, jailed for four weeks. A private security guard hired by residents first spotted him wandering from house to house, trying doors to see if they were unlocked. Anyway, they've caught him. But, I mean, six police officers, a bit excessive, isn't it, in this day and age? I'm sure you can actually uh, cut back on that. Steve Allen on LBC. I have to apologise to poor Pippa. Pippa is, uh, is one of those for whom Mr Moyles relies on quite heavily, and she's admitted. She said, I feel it's only right to say at this moment, Steve, that I am... From Basingstoke. <sighs> See, now, that kind of is difficult for me because now I have to kind of backtrack on it because she's so lovely. And I don't say that because she's listening to the programme and because I see her most mornings. I just have to say it because I really feel embarrassed for Basingstoke that we managed to find one decent person in the whole of Basingstoke. I bet she doesn't live there anymore. But I bet you anything. Yes, I mean, self-improvement is that you can get yourself out of the mud. You can drag yourself to the top of the slag heap and you can stand there and say, I did it! I got out to Basingstoke. I did it! And you should feel proud and there should be a T-shirt that says, I used to live in Basingstoke, but I got better. You know, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. That's the, kind, the young person's kind of stuff. Actually, I think I've got lunch a week Friday, Pippa, with, uh, with Mr M., well, I think that's what I booked for four, so whether or not it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to happen, I don't know. We have mutual friends. Simon uh, Beale has retweeted. He's, retwe- he's retweeted the Pippa thing. I can't win in this business, can I? There's more people in the blasted business listening to this programme than there were before, which is not, not good for me, is it? I always, the funny thing is, people always say to me, do you ever think about who's listening to the programme? And the answer is no. Never think about it at all. Otherwise, you'd be really... I don't know, you'd be, you'd be not concentrating on the right thing. You don't do a programme thinking, I wonder what all these people look like. If you sort of... I mean, somebody said, if you laid all the girls in Basingstoke end-to-end, nobody would be a bit surprised. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I can't believe I said that. Anyway, but you don't, you don't believe, do you, that, that people are listening to the radio? But I know people are listening to radio. But you can't imagine what they look like. You, don't, you know, if you put them all in Wembley Stadium, would, that, would it looked, look like that and then some? Would you have to... You can't calculate... You know, if you look in a theatre, 
or the O2, and you look at all these people and you think, God, I've got even more than that, more people than that listening at any one time. So you, you don't think about that. That's, that's the least of uh, the things that you think about when you do a radio. All you think about is trying to find a story in the paper that might actually get somebody going, and they might get mainly for radio. Mainly for radio. So, I mean, so the things which I thought would actually go for, uh, for sort of radio stations today would be the police holding the eBay seller in the dinky toy row in Glasgow. So here is a man. He's a toy collector. He's called Charles Trainer. I will praise the story down. Basically, he sells dinky toys. And he had three dinky toys for sale. Uh, they were £16. And he explained to the person who was buying them that the uh, cost to post them would be £6. OK, that's what, what it would be. So he paid the £16, we discussed the extra cost, and it, then, it, then it went quiet. Next thing he knew, the police turn up at his house. This bloke who was buying them had contacted the police. I mean, I mean you, you'd seriously never believe it in a million years. So he was then subjected to four hours of questioning. He was photographed fingerprinted and had his DNA taken. He's never been in trouble with the law before and he hadn't, because he hadn't mailed the items because the buyer refused to pay the £6 postage, the police came round. He says, um, I complained to the police. He said, I did explain I was on medication for a heart condition and diabetes. And their response was, don't worry, this won't take more than an hour. The attitude changed when they got to the police station. After the interview, in which I was told I'd no need for a solicitor, I was fingerprinted, DNA'd and photographed taken. Then I had my shoes and belt taken from me and I was put in a cell. My head was beginning to hurt, which is a symptom I get when I've not taken my medication. When I asked about getting my pills, I was basically told, tough. I mean, this is disgraceful behaviour. Anyway, four hours after he was lifted, they threw him out into the street and I had to walk home. He then claimed he was brushed off by the police and so lodged an official complaint. Police Investigation Review Commissioner later upheld three of his six complaints and uh, he then got a letter saying, I apologise unreservedly. I mean, how on earth the police could react over the sale of £16 worth of dinky toys warrant, warranting this level of attention is totally beyond us. A Crown Prosecution uh, spokesman said the case had been dropped. We've decided there should be no proceedings. Don't be so stupid. Small wonder in the state we're in at the moment we've got buffoons like that in the Crown office. Three dinky toys. The bloke refused to pay the postage. And so the police turn up and he's held for four hours and he's on medication. Dear Lord above, what is the matter? Uh, we've decided there should be no proceedings at this time. What a bunch of buffoons, honestly. What a bunch of wazzocks sitting there in this office making these decisions. Dinky toys. What a waste of police time. They've got nothing better to do up there. Obviously not, I don't think. It's really quite worrying, isn't it, when you think that they come round because somebody complains. Steve Allen on LBC. The trucker in the paper today who was uh, had docked wages and sent home because he was wearing shorts. His name's Graham Woods. He was told he couldn't take his lorry out due to health and safety. Now, I don't quite understand how wearing shorts is health and safety. But we heard from a road sweeper a short while ago, and he said they're not allowed to wear shorts. Now, my postie in Twickenham, and I have, a, I have a couple of posties, they wear shorts all the time. Kevin, the milkman, wears shorts all the time, even in winter. Kevin, the milkman, wears shorts. Loads of milkmen wear shorts. Doesn't seem, doesn't make any difference. It's not health and safety, is it? How can it be considered health and safety? If you're driving a lorry and you're wearing shorts, how's that health and safety? I don't quite work that one out. Anyway, Graham said... But uh, a manager 
at this uh, transport company in Preston refused to let him drive. It was hot and sticky. Monday was bad enough. He lost a day's wages. He says, I'm all for safe practices in our industry, but I don't get it. I've asked other drivers and none of them had it. Last night, the company Montgomery Transport declined to comment. I've never heard of such a thing. He said it was the hottest day of the year and he said, I'm not allowed to wear shorts. Well, I mean, here... They would. They don't have any such uh, ruling at all. If you want to, I mean, I personally wouldn't wear shorts at my age because I've got dreadful legs. But I mean, that's my business. I mean, I, what I need to do is I need to have my legs dipped so they turn out to be the colour of creosote, and that's where that's when it looks a bit better. But I'm just naturally a pale person. And as Clive enters the twilight world of gambling, I mean, he's going to look paler than me. You're never going to see the sunshine, are you at all? You're just you're going to see sort of daylight a little bit occasionally, but. Uh, You'll definitely be taking lots of vitamin D supplements. In fact, that is top of his list for buying things and his supplements. But the good news is he can park quite near. You can have a nice... How, how many hours... Just a matter of interest. How many hours would you spend playing poker in a session? I mean, would it be, you know, 10 hours? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, it's right. It's that long. It's that long. He did 23 hours once playing... Twenty. You see, I mean... Because I said earlier on, I didn't quite understand how poker worked. I've heard of people going, oh, I've got a straight flush or I've got this. Whatever it is, you have to bluff your hand to somebody else. Is that, is that what it is? It's, it's telling fibs. It's telling, or you have to know when other people are lying. So, so that's why some people sit there and sometimes, you know, they twitch or their eyes give it away or something like that. Because I'd be going, uh, and I've got a hand, you know, so I'd be useless at playing poker. Because I'd just be giving it away straight away. Because I, I couldn't do poker face. As Lady Gaga said, I can't do it. I'd, I'd just be, I'd be absolute rubbish. I really would be rubbish at doing it. But you can play for 10 hours. So, oh, easily 10 hours. So how much, just a matter of interest, just put this in context for me. And uh, you have to gamble responsibly, OK? I have to say that, just in case you think you just go and, you know, play and you win loads of money and then you go home and it's all happy. It doesn't work like that. So if you were playing for that, how much money would you start off with to start, if you were going to play for 10 hours? Would you need a pot of money to start with? Would it be... A hundred pounds or a lot, a lot more than a hundred. A lot, quite, yeah, quite, quite a bit. Five hundred pounds? A couple of hundred is enough. OK. And on a couple of hundred, you can make enough to keep you going for the ten hours. So you don't go silly with it. Do you have minimum stakes on, on poker and things like that? You, you do. It's quite complicated. This is a whole programme. It's a whole in conversation. On, on sort of responsible gambling and how you play poker. Because I don't understand. I just, I see all this money mounting up in the middle of the table. I've seen it in the cowboy films. And then all of a sudden somebody goes, you dirty varmint, and they get a gun out, and, and then somebody scoops all the money up, and then they gallop off. Well, it doesn't work like that at Hippodrome, does it at all? Because you can't get the horses in there. There's nowhere to stable them. They've taken the stables out. So, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting change. You know, some people think, you know, me, I'd be thinking, change a career, lap dancer. You know, and then I think, there's no point, Stephen, you'll never get yourself up the pole. Yeah, we could do a po poker video. You should do that, actually. That would be quite an interesting thing to do, wouldn't it? On, on sort of YouTube, to do Teach Yourself Poker. And I could sit there going, I don't know, I've got, listen, I've got ten, jack, queen, king and ace. Would that be worth any money? Anybody around the table? Anybody got better than that? Uh, I've got four jacks. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> could have a field day with it, couldn't we? An absolute field day. Anyway, good luck to him. He's not going just yet, but um, we could do it. We could do a, a, a video for YouTube, I think, on how on a, four jacks to four jacks wins. Does it over over what would the other one be called? Is that a straight flush? So I thought a straight flush was when somebody says, you know, they look at you and you go, you've you've sort of coloured up a little bit. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve, if yourself or Phil Vickery 
would like a mediumship reading, uh, says Dominic. Uh, I'll give you one without asking a single question. Well, actually, the trouble is it'd be pointless. You know, anybody who's well-known, you know, you can go on to Google and find out everything about everybody. Everybody. Seriously, it's, it's as easy as that. You don't need to, you know, so it made me laugh when they had Sally. He's here, darling. Uh, when she was doing celebrities, like whoever she did, who weren't really celebrities at all. Uh, you've only got to go on to Google. You can find out everything about somebody. And so you can just sort of come up with a cold reading. So it'd be pointless for Phil Vickery, who's well, well documented. And I tell people everything about my life as well. So, you know, it'd be like saying, oh, I think your mother's passed over. Yeah, some years ago, some years ago. No kidding, you know, and 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 you and you not like fish. There's something in, in you. I see that you don't eat fish. Yes, I've told people I don't eat fish. You have to laugh, don't you? Really, I don't know. Steve, uh, we understand cold readings. Then Dominic will read for anyone in the office who isn't uh, famous. He doesn't even his name, as that's what he does. But the BBC bad mediumship. Well, it has to be done as an entertainment. That's how it's sold. It has to be done as an entertainment. You're not allowed to claim that you can contact the other side or anything like that. It has to be sold as an... That's why Sally Whatsaface uh, sells it as an entertainment. It's an entertainment. You're not supposed to take it seriously, but, of course, people want to because you've already written your questions down on a little piece of paper and dropped them into a glass jar and she picks one up. So it's, that's the way it works with her. But uh, if you want to believe in that kind of thing, believe in it. But it's an entertainment. That's what it's sold as. And we're not allowed to hypnotise you over the radio. The fact that you get hypnotised into listening to this programme every morning at four o'clock, of course, is totally immaterial. We don't mention that at all. It's mass hypnosis on a scale that is unprecedented in the English-speaking world. Those are all the highlights I've got time for for this morning. And don't forget, I'm here from five tomorrow morning and I'm here with your 4am spike all next week too. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen.